0: Well, the first-place streak is at 88 days for the Mets, but it's beginning to look like the Jenga blocks are getting pulled out from out of the tower here day by day. The last time, the lead was as skinny as a game and a half. May 26th, the Knicks were a game apiece with the Atlanta Hawks. The Islanders were still playing the Penguins. Yeah, the Mets are struggling now. They've lost five out of six. Phillies are coming in hot. But still for now, those Mets are still atop the standings board. Let's discuss. Here we go. Mets in the morning Mets in the morning Oh yeah Mets in the morning Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing While coffee is brewing Now here's Josh Lewin Scootily out. As that famous philosopher Terry Collins once philosophized uh, You cannot say woe is me at this level But forgive the Mets if they're a little bit down in the dumps they lost again on Tuesday, 5-4 in Miami, and indeed their lead now down to a game and a half. Josh Lewin with you, and look, the Mets are not having a lot of patient at-bats yet in this series. They have made Miami pitching throw just 83 pitches through seven innings Monday, Tuesday not much better with 93 through seven. James McCann swinging 3-0 in the seventh inning and grounding out, not ideal. We know Javi Baez is up there hacking, and sure enough, he played the hit song from that album as well. Luis Rojas ejected in this game for arguing balls and strikes. Lots of frustration these days, not just from the manager, but from the fan base now, too. I get it. They don't call them the dog days because they're awesome. Speaking of frustration, before the game, Jacob deGrom met with the media for the first time in a long time, says, yes, he thinks he will pitch again this season, but he, too, is frustrated. DeGrom hasn't thrown a baseball since the Mets shut him down last week. He won't attempt to do so until the end of next week, until a follow-up MRI comes clean. Best-case scenario has him uh, with a throwing program next weekend. Minor league rehab start by the end of the month, return of the Mets in early September. But such a slim margin for error right now. Any setback could cost him most of the rest of the season. He's already missed enough time this year due to the lat, forearm, elbow, shoulder issues. We got to realize now there will not be a Cy Young Award despite these glowing credentials, and there will not be the chance to overtake Bob, Gib- uh, Bob Gibson's 1.12 back in 1968, because you look at the MLB rulebook, the individual pitching champion in a major league shall be the pitcher with the lowest earned run average, provided that... The pitcher has pitched at least as many innings as the number of games scheduled for each club in his club's league, yada yada. 162 games, that means 162 innings would qualify you. If you got 161 and two-thirds, you're not eligible. Best case scenario is DeGrom gets five starts in September, and I think that's a stretch, but five starts at nine innings each, that would give him 137 innings for the year, and no way he's... Uh, coming off all this and pitching five complete games in a row. So, Gibson's 1.12 in 68 will stay the lowest in baseball in more than 100 years. DeGrom's ERA is 1.08, as you've probably memorized. It's been frozen at that number, like the clock tower in Back to the Future. If he doesn't pitch again this year for some reason, where would that 1.08 rank in the pantheon of the Mets franchise? Lowest med ra's minimum 50 innings, he'd have it by a mile. Jesse Orozco had a 147, getting 110 innings out of the bullpen in 83. Bob Apodaca in 75, checked in with a 149. Doc Gooden's famous 1985 with a 1.53. Followed by DeGrom himself from 2018 when he won the Cy Young with a 1.7. If you're wondering, we just gave you the top five. At the bottom of the list of 568 occurrences of a Mets pitcher giving the team 50 innings for a season, number 568, Oliver Perez in 2009. 66 innings, 50 earned runs, a 6.82, nosing out Aaron Heilman's 2003 season. Anyway, on to Marlins versus Mets game two of the four-game series. And since you're a Mets fan, you know how much the Marlins have been a grain of sand in the team's bathing suit since 2007. First, it was Tom Glavin, able to retire only one batter in that 07 regular season finale, completing that Mets collapse. One year later, Marlins wouldn't get off the field after they eliminated the Mets and closed Shea Stadium in game number 162. Three years after that, they did it to the Mets again, this time by signing Jose Reyes to a six-year deal. Other than the Mets celebrating their 06 NL East title, in front of their own home fans while the Marlins were in the visiting dugout. Uh, The Mets really haven't done anything that would be considered negative to that Marlins franchise. I mean, I I guess the Mets took Mike Piazza and Carlos Delgado from them. We'll put that one out there. But the Mets have really never ripped apart the Marlins' dreams like the Marlins have done to the Mets. The pitching matchup Tuesday night, same as the Mets' home opener way back in April, Taiwan Walker against Nick Neidert who's a one-time second-round pick of Seattle, Walker, of course, a former Mariners prospect himself, and originally from a town in the California desert called Ukaipa out in front of the San Bernardino Mountains, or as Chevy Chase called San Bernardino and Fletch San Burdu. Uh, I have been to Ukaipa I have stopped at their Dairy Queen. I have been there when it's been 110 degrees. Yucaipa, uh not that there should be any conditioning issues down the stretch for Walker. It's kind of my point here. I mean, if you grow up in Yucaipa, you're pitching in the desert, you'll learn how to sweat it out. But into this game, Walker had pitched about 100 innings this year. In his previous three seasons combined, he threw 67 as he dealt with the injuries. And of course, the pandemic shortened 2020. So some people have wondered, will the Mets possibly consider a six-man rotation to keep a guy like Walker fresh down the stretch? Well, if they had enough bodies, I think that's not a bad idea. You look at Walker's whiff rate, 28% in April and May, which is great, but 18% in June and July, and I think that's a very telling stat. As for Nick Neidert, would you believe there's a pro hockey player by that same name? Very unusual name, but uh, there's a Nick Neidert, 17 years of minor league pro hockey, never a sniff of the NHL, never even has made the AHL. That is Reg Dunlap stuff from Slapshot. This guy's a goalie. He has played for, I'm not making this up, 35 different hockey teams in eight different leagues. If you want to go down a rabbit hole, go find that guy's hockey database page on the interwebs, and you will see teams you never knew existed in towns you never knew existed. And as far as I can see, he's still having at it. He got in 11 games last year for the Port Huron Prowlers of something called the FPHL, the Federal Prospects Hockey League. Tell me, Ogie Oglethorpe, And the Hanson brothers aren't gooning it up on that circuit. Machine ate my quarter, coach. Anyway, uh, this Nick Neidert, guy with a heck of a slider, a pitch he wasn't really throwing back when the Mets saw him in April, but he threw it a lot early in this game. The Mets chased it a lot early in this game. Mets got behind 4-0, Before Dom, Smith scored Jeff McNeil on a fourth-inning sack fly. Smith hit a second sack fly two innings later, and in that same inning with Jeff McNeil aboard, J.D. Davis would get the Mets a little closer. Two balls and a strike on J.D. The pitch, breaking ball, hit in the air, right center field, moving back for De La Cruz, going toward the wall, and it's gone! No, it's off the top of the wall. They're going to say it's in play. McNeil's rounding around third. He thought it was gone too, but he'll score anyway. As McNeil goes in standing up, it's a double for J.D. Davis as that ball hit off the top of the wall in right center field. Very close to being a home run. Wayne Randazzo with the call on WCBS. Uh, Walker, by the way, lasted five and two-thirds in this game, a 4-3 game when he left. That five and two-thirds, same as Marcus Stroman the night before. Then on came Aaron Loop, who still hasn't allowed a home run all year. He got his man, game-stayed 4-3 Miami, into the bottom of the eighth inning. A Nimmo, with that bad hammy, in center field, was unable to catch up to a fly ball. It went for an RBI double for Jorge Alfaro. 5-3 Miami, that run off Seth Lugo. That was a big insurance run because in the ninth, Dom Smith, a leadoff single off Dylan Floro, working for a third straight game for Miami, tying that up right away. J.D. Davis reaches on a fielder's choice, and Conforto comes up, and he had doubled off Floro the night before. He's trying to get that batting average back up to 200. He rips one to first, but Brian Anderson, a third baseman playing all the way on the right side and the exaggerated shift, makes a diving stop of a hot shot ground ball, and gets Conforto. That babbip that was so big last year for him, it's bottomed out for Conforto this year. So the game was left to James McCann, who took a very close two-strike pitch. It could have been strike three, and it wasn't. Then McCann poked a double to the right field corner to score Davis, made it 5-4. to four. Albert Almora, pinch runs, and pinch hitter extraordinaire Brandon Drury, is summoned. A 500 batter off the bench this year, 12 for his last 20 overall. Remember, Floro not used to working three days in a row on the mound here. Drury's first swing almost a double to left would have tied the game, but just foul. And then the next pitch. Floro ready. His pitch to Drury. Swing and a bouncing ball up the middle. It's handled by the second baseman Diaz. His throw to first in time. And the Marlins hang on. They defeat the New York Mets tonight, 5-4 the final. Wayne Randazzo on WCBS, that was the game-ending groundout. Mets lose 5-4. Phillies won their game 5-4, so the first-place lead is now at one5 You know, Monday night, the Mets were 1-10 for with runners in scoring position. A lot of hard-hit balls went for outs. Keep in mind, the Marlins allow the fewest home runs of any Major League pitching staff. One home run every 10 or so innings this year. And this ballpark is not a super friendly home run park. In this game, the Mets began 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. They ended 1 for 8. Let me walk you through the box score. Let's take a little walk here. Nimmo 1 for 4, hamstring still not perfect here. Got on base in the first inning again with a single. 505 OBP in first innings this year. If you want to get a fire started, this guy's an arsonist, but in a good way. He's a very nice arsonist. Alonzo, 0-3 with a walk in this game. He's tied for second in the National League in home runs behind only the two injured juniors, Acuna and Tatis. So you can say that the active National League home run leader is Alonzo. And did you know 10 of the top 11 home run hitters in baseball are in the American League this year? And the only one who DHs is Otani. McNeil in this game was on base three times, a walk, a loop, double, an HBP, scored a couple runs. He's hitting only 230 on the road. He's hitting 308 back at home. Javier Baez, still not exactly clicking yet. He was 0 for 4, and after his final out, lifting a cutter harmlessly to right in the eighth, he got into it, chirping with the Marlins pitcher at the time, Richard Blyer. Frustrations for Baez early on as a Met, and of course, it was a frustrating year for him in Chicago, too. I've said it before, there is so much good with El Mago. He's impossible to take your eyes off of. Two years ago, the Cubs released a seven-minute highlight reel just to Baez running and sliding into bases. And to this day, that video has drawn nearly four million views on YouTube. This guy can race down balls in the hole that other players might just wave a glove at before uh, making a spinning, leaping, diving, turning play that Baez always seems to make once a game. He slaps down those no-look tags like no one else in the business. He can slide around tags like he's in the Matrix. Hits those 450-foot home runs. He can score from second on a, a little fly ball somewhere. He's done that. When he's right, he is a joy to watch. But, OBP of 170 with two strikes last year. Second worst in baseball. This year, it's only 195. He used to crush fastballs. He really doesn't now. In 2018, when he was runner-up for MVP, he hit 314 against fastballs. This year, he's hitting under 200. Strikeout percentage has increased four years in a row, from already a very high 26% to a staggering 37% this year. This while his walk rate has stayed flat at 3%. So he's just the ultimate exercise, and you take the good, you take the bad. It's like the Facts of Life theme song, if you're of a certain age. Uh, Dominic Smith, let's move along here. One for two with those two-sack flies. Two-sack flies ties an all-time Mets record, last done by Brandon Nemo in 2017. Davis ended up with a hit, now hitting 303 for the year. Conforto, an 0 for 3. He's now at 197. And since 2019, Conforto had been hitting in 28 games against the Marlins 379, 11 home runs, 6 doubles, 23 runs batted in, an OPS of 1358. That's the highest OPS by any player against one opponent the last three years. But even with that, He's in this festering funk, and he has tried everything. The the early batting practice, swing analysis, uh, cage work, conversations with the Mets' mental skills coach. Remember, he seemed to be breaking out when the Mets got back from the All-Star break. He homered in Pittsburgh. He homered twice a day later in Cincinnati. But since then, four for 42 with one extra base hit. So he's got this batting average that's pretty much as low as it's ever been, His slugging percentage by far, the lowest of his career at 320. This is worse production than in 2016 when he was going so bad the Mets twice demoted him to AAA. On through the box score, McCann, one for four with that big opposite field double in the ninth. His career against Miami, he was three for 35 lifetime before that opposite field double. And Taiwan Walker was 0 for two. He's now one for 33 this year. No DeGrom, he. Although he does have a home run in his career, did that back in 2017. As for the skipper, we mentioned the frustration boiled over for him. Luis Rojas met with the media after the game. Hey, Luis, on that uh, ejection, was your frustration specifically with that Nimo at bat, or had it been something that was building throughout the
1: game? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I built he built throughout the game, and um, I mean, we know it's a difficult job. I, I keep saying that and then and, and it's the truth it's it's a difficult job i mean you're watching big league pitches and everything's going all fast and i mean you can miss right but um just going back to some of the pitches i mean there's one that really hurt us and that's why um uh I, it built up on me uh, the pitch 12 12 far of the 3-1 i thought that was a strike uh that led to a walk and then two extra runs scored later in the inning. That could have been a 3-2 to Alfaro. And I think I had that in the back of my head. And then the the pitch on the previous at-bat before I got ejected to Nemo up up uh, above the zone, um, you know, it, it built up again. So it led to that last call there for strike three on Nemo to, for me to erupt. So that, that's, that's where my case came from. Um, and, and, you know, it, I know arguing balls and strikes will get you ejected, right? So, I, I mean, I just couldn't stop. So, uh, you know, it happens in this game. Uh, it's happened to me a couple of times already this season. And, you know, I know the, game, the game's got to keep going. So uh, not I don't want to make it, you know, any personal. It's just stuff that happens in the game.
0: How much would you say just the, the overall state of what's going on with the team right now is contributing not just to, you know, an incident like that, but we even saw Javi Baez get, get clearly agitated on the base pass there as he was running down to first. Um, you know, obviously, this is a a downtime in the season. Do you think that that frustration is maybe starting to boil over a little bit more than it would in the past?
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think we're frustrated. Thing. I think we're. Uh, I mean, there's going to be emotions in game. <laughs> like you know, myself, I, you know, I was a perfect perfect example tonight. Um, and you know, Javi is a guy that uh, wears his emotion. I mean, you guys, as you guys seen him before in highlights and. I think he heard something that was said to him uh, and uh, he reacted to that all
0: right thanks to luis rojas couple other things to tell you before we get on out of here a nice note to pass along the heart and hustle award kevin polar the mets 2021 recipient that's the award that honors players that demonstrate a passion for the game and best embody the values and spirit and traditions of the game javi Baez, by the way was a cubs winner as it turns out and from the files of mets on the move it's a very thick file New guy, part 500. The Mets claimed right-hander Jake Reed off waivers from the Rays. It's his fourth organization of this season. He's been with the Angels and Dodgers and Rays and now has joined the Mets in Miami as part of the taxi squad. Miguel Castro, who's been shut down or had been shut down Monday with COVID concerns, got the all clear on Tuesday. He's active. Next up, two more with Miami. Tonight, the second-ever Mets start for Carlos Carrasco. He'll be matched against righty Zach Thompson, who's just 2-4. and Boy the a 2.3 ERA. Thursday's matinee, Rich Hill for the Mets. Then it's on to Philly. Bryce Harper, his last 24 games, his on-base percentage is 5'11". Wow. <laughs> and then the Mets are back home starting August 10th. Don't forget the Javi Baez Welcome to New York ticket promotion. You can get two tickets for $23, Javi's uniform number, any game between August 10th and 15th. Mets.com for all the glorious details. The Mets' home record the last few months, starting with May, 9-1, 9-6, 9-8. August is going to see him play 14 home games, and I'd be okay with another nine in the win column. That'd be nine and five, right? You're hosting the Dodgers and Giants, so three and three there and six and two otherwise, that's acceptable. Remember, this season's gonna end with three against the Phillies, two against the Red Sox, then at Milwaukee and at Atlanta with these Marlins in between those last two series. That's going to be tough. Four of those five teams are either playoff bound or playoff contenders at the end. This is the week to get the barnacles off the boat because you got to get ready for some rocky chop up ahead with all those Giants and Dodgers games, home and road. Then the big kick, the big leg kick, comes September. That's the hope. And now the house band. Let's let you guys meet the band on keyboards. Doug Sisk. Slapping the bass. Give it up for Barry Lyons. The horn section. Pat Mish, And kicking it out on drums, Kelly Stinnett. This is Josh Lewin. Thanks so much for listening. Sorry we didn't have better news for you. 5-4 Mets lose. We'll meet you here again tomorrow.